0: You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV
1: 91.5. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? You are, ready? are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready, ready. ready. You're ready for the market.
0: I'll brainstorm this later. We'll edit it later for now. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Leadership Lingo. My name is Matteo Portelli. Matteo Portelli. Today, we'll be hearing from a few folks and their experiences as leaders and find out the best principles and practices that make our community a better place. Welcome to Leadership Lingo. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Leadership Lingo. We are in Nashville, Tennessee with Carly Loudon, who's a field rep uh, for North Carolina for Campus Victory, the Campus Victory Project. Um, Really appreciate her taking the time to talk to us and uh, and speak to you all about leadership. uh, In a very unique organization, Campus Victory uh, fosters growth in students just like us uh, looking to get involved in their campus student government. Uh, So we got a wealth of knowledge here. Um, So Carly, thanks so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you for having me, I'm excited.
0: So, Carly, uh, first question I've got is what do you do in your current position? So, what does a field rep do, especially in North Carolina? uh, And uh, day-to-day, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, being a field rep for Campus Victory Project is broken down into kind of two separate categories. So, the first semester that we're working with the students, so from August to December, is mainly recruiting. So, we're finding students, whether that's Instagram, LinkedIn, student government, websites, like Greek life, Instagram pages basically doing like a lot of Instagram and social media deep dives on these students and trying to find if they would be a good fit to work with our company. And then day-to-day for that section is a lot of stalking on social media, doing a lot of research on these students to make sure that they would benefit from coming to our conference and would end up wanting to work with us long-term. The second half is campaigning. So once we find these students, we bring them to our conference, which is where we are right now. And then... We help them build out their campaign, build out their coalitions that they're going to have working with their campaigns. And then we help foster all those ideas that we've worked with and we've used in the past. And we share all that knowledge that we have and hope that they eventually win their campaigns in typically March, April, May time period. The day-to-day to that is mostly meeting in person with students making sure that everything's going smoothly if they have any bumps in the road whether that's you know election code violations or anything like that we're there as a resource for them and we're just there to like help them out and make sure that they're feeling comfortable with the process and not too overwhelmed so the day-to-day for that is a little bit more enjoyable than the first half because we're actually interacting with the students and we get to go on campus and be with them and see how things work at some campuses and how they work at other campuses, so
0: yeah. Now, I know this is uh, the first time that the uh, prospective leadership retreat's been in Nashville, so it's super cool, yeah. super awesome city. It's not too much different from Vegas. It's much more, it's like <laughs> Vegas if it was more country. Right. Uh, but obviously, we're here to seek and find new leaders. Mm-hmm. So folks who aren't, maybe they're in a particular student government, but they want to step up to yeah. represent their college or, or run uh, for president. Mm-hmm. So in thinking of new leaders emerging, what does leadership mean to you?
2: Leadership, honestly means a lot to me, Um, even since I was really young and doing sports and athletics and everything that I was involved in, um, leadership, it's always important to have like a strong leader. And for a while, I was always the youngest in, like I'm the youngest in my family, I'm the youngest, like I was always the youngest on my sports teams, so I looked up to these leaders. And then... Whenever I got to, like, high school and got involved in other things with, like, class cabinet and other clubs, I wanted to be the leader. And taking all the tools that I saw from, you know, other people that were above me and other things and putting that towards my own personality, I have become, like, a competitive monster. And leadership, to me, is just the ideal of hating to lose and wanting to do anything that you can to put yourself and the people That are working with you above everybody else and leadership is a huge aspect of our organization and we want our students to be great leaders and we want to relay all the information that we've gained from our past knowledge and past experiences to them so in conclusion I think a great leader is just someone who has experience in the thing that they're doing and is confident enough in their skills and their abilities to help give that knowledge and teach people that can benefit from the knowledge that we have. And I love this job because I feel like I'm very knowledgeable about what I'm teaching and I'm very comfortable and confident in talking about it with all the students that are here.
0: Now, it's great to know uh, what to strive for as leaders, but can you give an example um, or just maybe a definition of poor leadership? What could we avoid pitfalls that, that new leaders find themselves in?
2: Yeah, it's definitely hard to be a good leader because you're treading on a very thin line of being... overbearing and coming off like you have a huge ego so you want to be personable with the people that you're working with and not come across as someone who knows a lot more than they do and you want to build up the people below you and not try to push them down i've had several experiences with bad leaders um whenever i first started in sga when i was a student um, the current administration like the executive the president the vice president were not the best at that while i was a senator and they really tried to push us down and make us seem like we were way below them and that we didn't have as much power as they did which was frustrating as a sophomore in college when I just wanted to be involved in something and kind of have a voice on campus so I've that also helped me become a better leader I think because seeing what taught not to do and knowing things that they did that were wrong and didn't make us feel like empowered Um, so it's definitely a thin line because you don't want to be rude and come across as you know everything and no one knows anything but you also want to be confident so finding that like thin line between the two is crucial in being a strong leader or else you'll be a bad leader so
0: now in your capacity as a field rep um before i go into this how long have you been a field rep with uh... this is
2: my first year so but i worked with cvp for two years while i was in college
0: okay so what was going through your mind uh while you were with cvp in college when you actually applied to be a field rep and you know you're already a leader among your peers now you're like all right now I'm going to go foster other leaders in other colleges Uh, what was going through your mind when you applied?
2: Right yeah my favorite part about CVP is the access that we have to students from all across the country so when I went to Indiana University and I came as a student my direct like correlation to CVP was Indiana University students and I ran several campaigns for SGA in at Indiana but I didn't feel like I was really reaching as many people as I potentially could. So when I, wanted to, when I found out that I wanted to apply for CVP, I realized that I would have access to so many more students, so many more universities, and so many more opportunities to help other students, just like the rep helped me when I was a student at C, or when I was in college, and the CVP rep helped, helped me while I was a student.
0: So now you're a year in. With your confidence, you seem like you're doing great. <laughs> What's one hurdle or obstacle or or difficulty you've experienced um, since taking this new job?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of obstacles. I mean, when you're working with college students, I can say this because I was just a college student like six months ago. It's very difficult to get them to respond and to commit to things that they don't really feel comfortable with or they don't know a lot about. So working with students, um, especially at universities that, you know, I'm not super familiar with. I just moved to North Carolina for this position, so I'm not overly confident or comfortable with with the universities and don't know a lot of students there trying to just get them to respond and like trust you and be like this is a legit thing. A lot of people think that it's like a scam or that we're like trying to sell them something, but it's a real program and a lot of people have benefited from, you know, the organization and the results are like they speak for themselves. Our win rate on student government elections is unbelievable in the sense of how many schools we work with. So I think that is one of the biggest challenges and just college students are difficult. Like they have so much going on and obviously we understand that, but we're trying to work with them and make them feel more confident and more comfortable with their student government campaigns. It is difficult to make sure that they stay engaged. So that would probably be the biggest hurdle is just working with the students who are obviously the students we're working with are heavily involved already. So trying to get them to like commit to another thing is is a little bit difficult.
0: So... Let's kind of cap that off then, right? Looking at some folks who are really um, involved and, and, they're, and they're interested in serving their peers. Um, let's say that one day, hopefully, folks listening to this uh, show uh, will come to a future uh, prospective leadership retreat. What if one day they want to be a field rep like you, right? And they want to help build up other folks uh, in their area or just move to a new area and, and, and help build up the future generation of leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give someone if they want to be a field rep?
2: Well, I would absolutely encourage them to become a field rep and work for CVP. It's the best job I've ever had. And the community that we are able to foster here with not just the other reps and not just our managers, but with the students as well, it's it's kind of a, it's a really strong, we build strong relationships here. So that's definitely my favorite part. The advice I would give is to just be confident in what you're doing and know that what you're doing for SGA or whatever you're doing, as long as you care about it and are passionate about it, you're making a difference and you're reaching a bunch of people, whether that's students, coworkers, you know, family, whatever it is, you're reaching a lot of people and the connections that you're gonna make will last you a lifetime. And just stay true to yourself, be confident and don't lose yourself in, in the path because it is very difficult to stay on track and keep the goal in mind when there's so many other distractions in life but definitely go for it and be confident and love it and just do like whatever makes you happy and if that's being a field rep then absolutely go for it
0: carly thanks so much thanks for what you do uh it's it's a delight uh being here learning uh from you and all your colleagues um but yeah just thanks so much for coming on the show
2: yeah thank you for having me it was a great time
0: What's going on guys? I'm here with David Higgins. He's a field rep uh, for the Campus Victory Project. Uh, David, what's your uh, area of responsibility as a field rep?
1: Yeah, so as a field rep, I do run the North Florida Territory for the Game Victory Project. Uh, essentially, identify leaders within the state of Florida, um, people who we think are projectable in the long term, right? The vast majority of CEOs of companies, people who are members of Congress, any sort of large leadership role. Uh, one thing they have in common is about 75% of those folks were in student government and did have leadership positions uh, back when they were in college. So my job is to identify those people, uh, recruit them to be part of that organization, and then support them through their entire time uh, in the Student Government Association and then hopefully be able to uh, kind of build their capabilities to a point where uh, we can take that whether they want to go in the private sector whether they want to run for office or whatever the situation may be uh, just setting folks up to be successful we think have quite a bit of potential.
0: Now. Most folks that I've spoken to, most field reps, uh, got their start straight up through CVP and the student government. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your position uh, when you were in college, uh, what you did, and what the day-to-day of that looked like.
1: Yeah, sure. So I was Senate President of Florida State uh, from 2018 to 2019. Uh, uh, one of those years I was with CVP as a student. Uh, I was recruited by one of our older field reps. I was actually there when the organization first started about eight years ago. Um, from the day-to-day standpoint, uh, probably the biggest thing I did was talk to students, right? I mean, every day we had office hours where I was uh, in my office for about three to four hours a day. Uh, I'd have students come up to me with, you know, whether it was an issue they had, whether it were ideas they had, uh, and I would deal with them and try and figure out how I can address that and how I can maneuver through kind of the, the bureaucratic nature of public universities and the different kind of funding that we had and all the different vehicles we could use to, Uh, kind of fix some of those things on campus. Another thing I did a lot of is work with the university and the administration. Uh, You know, when you're Senate president, you're a part of the boosters, so you're involved with athletics, you're a part of the foundation, so you have to help raise money uh, and pitch donors for the school. You're a part of bringing different speakers to campus and trying to almost set kind of what the discord is going to look like at the university uh, through some of these student government programs. So on a day-to-day level, um, it was actually quite a bit. There's a lot of different things we had going on. So, were you a student senator elected by your peers to preside, or was this a separate position from being a student senator? Yes. Yeah, so, I, I was a student senator that was elected by my peers in the senate to uh, preside over the organization. Um, you know, and that was definitely a unique, unique uh, process, to say the least. I mean, you know, it's one thing when you're going out and getting students at large to come vote for you. It's another thing when you're you know looking at individuals, no names, no faces, and know that uh, you know you got to get that person to like you, and you really got to get you know, people that have faith in you. And, you know, all those people are also people uh, who have been in the Senate before. They've seen how you operated on a day-to-day level. They've been in your committees. They've seen what your floor uh, speeches on the floor of the Senate are. Uh, and so, you know, it to just running for student body president, which kind of tends to be a popularity contest, uh, it really does become more about leadership and what people think of you. And being evaluated by people who you spent a lot of time with who understand what your work ethic is, uh, it's a different ball game, and it's kind of a humbling ball game as well, so obviously running for to represent your constituency that that's one style mm-hmm. of leadership it's a very cultural
0: leadership um, and now, as if you were a president of an entire legislative branch, that's more administrative leadership, bureaucratic leadership, a lot more intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at these experiences and of course now uh, in your in your professional career, what's a good definition of leadership
1: that you've developed? yeah this is a tough one. I would say for me uh, I define leadership as Things that you do that you don't plan to get anything out of, right? I mean, I think there's so many people that consider themselves a leader because of the name that they have or the title they have, or you're in a leadership position, so to speak. But anybody's in a leadership position, right? I mean, as I say, if you're, you know, if you're helping your mom who's a single mom, uh, you know, if you're working part time to help her make ends meet, you know, that's a leadership position. If you're taking care of your neighbor's uh, baby because they're not home and you know they can't do that, that's leadership. I mean, leadership isn't about uh, being on, you know, CNN or being on television and talking to people about things like that. I mean, a lot of those people aren't leaders. A lot of those people are kind of selfish. Uh, and, you know, they wanted to climb the ladder and they wanted to go through the process. And they want to drink the champagne and go to the parties and do all of that. Uh, but leadership is just putting yourself before other people and not expecting anything in return. Can you give us an example? Uh, and you can either either leave it at the scholastic level,
0: or you can go into professional uh, work experience. But what would be a good example of bad leadership
1: for some of our young listeners to avoid? Yeah. So bad leadership is, uh, you know, one thing they say is kind of crap falls downhill, so to speak. Uh, I've seen situations where when people at the top mess something up. I've seen that at the university level, where uh, people say something that they're not supposed to. When an email gets released that. Uh, they didn't want to come to the light of day and be out in the public, that instead of taking responsibility and owning up for that action as real leadership would, uh, they push it down the chain onto other people. And they think that because they're in that so-called position of leadership that they're able to kind of pawn their problems off onto other people uh, to kind of cover their own rear end. Uh, I've seen that time and time again, and I think that's just the worst worst version of leadership that you possibly can have because, you know, if somebody at the top doesn't if, – if, help the people below them and you don't feel like you're all on the same team uh no is going to function well you're not going to be able to build a team with great people which is the fundamental of leadership is that you have to be able to build teams and build coalitions and get things done uh so i would say people at the top kind of pushing things off to people who are uh below them so to speak
0: okay now after you were elected uh and you had some experience in the senate what really pushed you to run for uh senate president what was going through your mind when you put your name in
1: so uh essentially my freshman year i ran for senate um they i didn't realize how the party system worked exactly we have a pretty unique system there where you have to have a lot of institutional support to be able to get on the ballot and be on the ticket for the party so i just thought it was a pretty fair simple process that i'd go in i'd do an interview uh and you know, the best 26 candidates, which is uh, the amount of undergraduate study seats that they had at the time, uh, that those people would get selected. And I realized that that was not the case at all and that it was a very political thing and that it was totally about who you know. It was was, you know, your brother or sister in the organization before. Uh, you know, do your parents donate to the school? I mean, it was all sorts of different things. And, you know, I went in and I gave a great interview and I thought that that would be reflected in getting one of those positions. I mean, I said, you know, how am I not top 26? How, I guarantee my interview is top 26 uh, considering I knew some of the people that did get selected and I did not. So uh, I decided I'd run as an independent uh, an independent, had won a seat in about 20 years of Florida State. I decided I was going to do that. Uh, the week of the campaign, we had about one week at Florida State where you can campaign. Um, I got the flu. I got influenza A and influenza B at the same time. I was collapsing in the middle of the night. It was I had a fever that was close to about 106. Finally, on election day, I was able to campaign. I was ready to throw in the towel. I really kind of just said whatever. I mean, the idea that I'm going to Uh, take down a party that's running with, you know, $20,000 in the bank and a team full of hundreds of people uh, seemed very unrealistic. Uh, But I went to the dining halls, I went to the residence halls, and I just campaigned every minute of that day. I campaigned for about 16 hours that day from open to close. The first moment people were on campus is the first moment people left. Uh, And at the end of the day, I ended up with about 36% of the vote, which uh, I was definitely disappointed I didn't win but it was very evident that I made a statement to the rest of the people in that organization that looked past me uh, that you know I really did mean business and I really did care about this. And even when things weren't as easy for me as it were for some of the other kids, that I was gonna take initiative and I was gonna make something happen. So after I finally got appointed, because the person who I lost to in that race ended up quitting after a week, uh, so I was able to go get appointed by the student body president, who was also a CVP uh, alum as well. Uh, I got into the Senate. I worked hard in there uh, on trying to build a lot more transparency. You know, my, my big thing that I always said when I was Senate president is if you're doing something, who did you talk to about this and why do they want it to happen? Because a lot of times I found that people wanted to do a lot of internal changes. People want to go to law school, so they want to deal with judiciary stuff and changing election code. And it wasn't really about going out to the student population as a whole, bringing people in and finding out what they wanted. Uh, And so I did quite a bit of that, and I think people really did take note of it. Um, After that, the former Senate president, who uh, was also a CVP student at the time, his dad is a federal judge now, and I believe— Lord is in the 13th Circuit. I'm not totally sure on that. Um, but he pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, do you think you'd be interested in running for president? I mean, you know, I think you'd be a guy who could who could do this job as well as I did. And I mean, he's a very, you know, this kid who graduated Georgetown Law. Now he's working at, you know, a top three law firm in the country. Very impressive young man. And I certainly didn't feel like I could put myself up against him at the time. Uh, and then after a while, and I talked to some other people, and I just said, look, I'll talk to individual people and see if they like the idea. It wasn't like, hey, I want to do this. Will you help me? It was, hey, do you think I should do this? How can I help you? And once I was able to do that, I got a very positive response from people. Um, they said that they really liked the initiative that I was taking. They liked that I was more student-focused, organizational-focused, and wasn't just, you know, kind of all about myself. So, Decided to run. Uh, I ran against three other candidates. Uh, Typically, we expected to go into a runoff. I felt that I had the votes, but I wasn't totally sure. Some of the people were shaky, promised some people they'd vote for them, other people they'd vote for me. Uh, So I didn't know. So I went, you know, I gave a speech from the heart at about five minutes on the floor to give it. uh, And at the end of the day, I ended up winning 90 percent of the vote in the room. uh, and There wasn't a runoff. So, um, you know, it ended up working out in the end. So let's say that somebody is interested
0: uh, in running for senate and, and possibly being in that leadership position, um, almost like you, to fight against the odds. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give them um, if, they're, if they're nervous about running or if, like you were at, your, at the time, um, you saw much other qualified
1: folks uh, potentially going up against you? The only advice I would give is to try. Just to try. I mean, there really is something to be said about people who make the extra effort like you know if you think about the story that i just told you know i got noticed because i made the effort even when the odds were stacked against me and it was virtually impossible for me to go win Um, you don't know what you're capable of until you push yourself to your limits and you go out there and you try to do these things and you can understand and acknowledge that something's gonna be difficult and success may be unlikely, and you can go home feeling good about yourself for trying it. And the reality is, a lot of the people that do try end up succeeding. I mean, a lot of these student government positions, there's vacancies in schools, people don't have time to do this, and a lot of people have other commitments, and so opportunities do come. And one thing I say, and this is probably my favorite quote in the world, it's from a guy named Les Brown. I think he said this when he was addressing Georgia Tech's graduation. Uh, at the old Georgia Dome where the Atlanta Falcons used to play. He said that, quote, I would rather not have an opportunity and be prepared than have an opportunity and not be prepared. And that's how I always conduct myself, is the belief that even if something doesn't work out for you, the process and the commitment you made to yourself is vastly more important than the outcome of that and what other people think about Uh, you know, what you're able to accomplish.
0: David, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for being on Leadership Lingo.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: If you want to find out more information about the folks we interviewed here today or just learn more, you're more than welcome to follow us at Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn at Leadership Lingo. You can also shoot me an email at mateo at leadershiplingo.show. That's M-A-T-E-O at leadershiplingo.s-H-O-W. We'll catch you next time. Stay safe, stay hydrated, have a great day.